Hello, and welcome to the Assembly Line, an NES homebrew podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Kevin from Kahan Games. And I'm Bo from Soul Goose Productions. And we're here to wish you happy holidays and talk about homebrews. Yes. It's been a long year, hasn't it? Lots of stuff happened. Yeah, it's been an exciting year in the world of uh, NES homebrewing. You released Spookatron, right? I did. That was the first release, as far as I know, of this year, which, um, good old January 2nd, because I couldn't ship stuff out January 1st because the post office was closed. I wanted to make sure that, you know, I got stuff out this year, so it started off with a bang, and yeah, Spookatron shipped. Well, some of the copies shipped. It counts. I, I'm counting it. The initial wave went out. <laughs> some copies went out January 2nd. Boom, it's on the calendar. And uh, it introduced a lot of people to uh, the ability to use the Virtual Boy controller on the NES, which was pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, I was, I'm, I'm still happy with the project, you know, because it's drug on so long, it's kind of like, ah, but at the same time, it's like, hey, it's out, it's done, mostly done, and <laughs> off, off it goes. But what else? What else has happened this year? Yeah, what else has been so exciting this year in the world of homebrew? Uh, well, I know our good friend, uh, Mike, and his last name I will not even try to pronounce. He, um, he started releasing his programming videos this year, helping other people learn to program for the NES. Yeah, that's been something that's been fun to sort of watch happen over, over the last 12 months is, uh, the, that video series and just the new people that are coming into the community and finding it valuable, uh, what he's been doing. And it's just, it's very down to earth. It's very honest as we, I'm excited to see where he goes with them. And then, of course, we had the Nestev 2018 competition, which I, uh, did I, no, I, did I take place in 2018 or 2017? Wow, it, it's, it hasn't even been a year and you've already forgotten. It was this year, Kevin, this year. <laughs> well, it was so, it was such a poor showing that I'm trying to block it out. Ah, oh, is that it? <laughs> yep, but I, uh, finally had my first foray into taking part in it, and it was a lot of fun, um, we still haven't gotten the uh, the cartridges uh, for the year, but I cannot wait to get it uh, so I can play some of the uh, the great games that we got to talk uh, at pretty great length about. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, we covered the Nestev competition back in the early part of the year, and there were some neat games that were entered into it. And yeah, just some, some new people who hadn't really done stuff before they were involved. Uh, I'm still very impressed with Pubby's Star Evil and f to ff like there was just it was a good year for the competition i'm curious to see how it'll grow or change in in this coming year and of course how it evolved from the previous year with twin dragons and nebs and debs being the highliners yeah it's really it's a cool mixture of like really epic like big games and like tech demos that push the limits of what we've seen on the system so yeah i really look forward to the future of that and that is taking place very soon, if you're at all interested in taking part in it. You know, it's almost 2019, and it's almost time to do that competition again, so <laughs> one of these years, I'll, I guess I'll enter it. And we can't forget the greatest NES homebrew of all time, according to Bo, right? Oh, yes. 2018 saw the fabulous release <laughs> of Brad Smith's Lizard, which... As we know, I am quite the fan of. I I genuinely think it is pretty much 
the best homebrew that's been that's been made to date and and you know that's in my own personal opinion of the types of games that i like to play because i suck at a lot of other types of games but uh <laughs> yeah it was finally it was nice to finally see lizard get released because that was kickstarted back in like 2014 2015 so it's it's been a it's been a long time coming and you know it had a lot of delays there was a lot of speculation will it ever be finished and brad was always like yes it's gonna be finished you fools but uh <laughs> it you know at a certain point you're like well man how much like if he's gonna keep taking more time is it gonna make a better game and there that's a resounding yes so oh yeah i mean even if it's not your cup of tea there's no disputing like how vast and amazing uh the game is yeah i mean it's just it's fully licensed amazing quality and it, it was just it was nice to finally see that be released and to get it see it met with such warm reception although some people didn't care for it kevin and Plus, but I, he put it on dos i have floppy disks on their way to <laughs> me right now oh yeah i guess that we can add that to our list of 2018 ah, happenings are so awesome the dos released at the tail yes. end of the year <laughs> But Brad wasn't the only one releasing games this year. Uh, Rob from Sly Dog Studios finished up. Sly Dog. He did his uh, Babble <laughs> Blocks, uh, kind of a language puzzler. But he also finished up Candelabra Stasero, which yes, which should be seeing some sort of Kickstarter release or pre-sale of whatever kind. We're not quite sure what's going on with that just yet. But uh, that should be happening either at the end of this year or the beginning of next year, which is... Super cool, because that one's been in development since, like, 2014 or something. Yeah, and I think I've made it known how highly regarded I, f I feel that game is, so you can count on an episode uh, happening of Ol' Astacero, Candela Aria, Candelabra Astacero, well, in the, the future. That's the hard thing with Rob's games, is we, we could pretty much do 12 episodes in a year and just do a Rob game every episode. <laughs> we should just do a Sly Dog Studios calendar every year. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah. He's he's posed provocatively with PBR in each hand uh, each oh, month definitely. of the year. That's it. I, I didn't mean NES games. No, oh, no, there's some fuzzy footage in the background. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we know what we came for. That's his beard. Yeah. <laughs> um, but trophy. Trophy. Trophy, trophy, trophy. What is trophy, Kevin? What is, is this Jeopardy? What is trophy? No, it's uh the Gradual Games game that's uh, going to be coming out soon. The the Mega Man esque uh, platformer uh, that Derek's been working on with uh, his artist. <laughs> yeah, his artist in quotes. Uh, yeah, trophy. You know, Derek's so gradual with his games <laughs> that uh, he knows it takes a long time, and we all know it's going to take a long time. And so then, when he just decides one day to tell you that. Oh, the game's like 95% done. Uh, you can fully play it. Here it is if you want to check it out. And it's like, oh, um, okay. I thought you were still like working on the engine maybe or maybe doing some level design. But no, it's fully done. It's and awesome. so, yeah, it's been going through some play testing. He's got some other stuff to kind of figure out with it and refine. But on the whole, I got to sit and play it and I was just I was blown away. So even though it's not coming out this year, it is, I would say, 95 to 98% done this year. <laughs> so it has been interesting this last year. Uh, the international homebrew presence has really kind of grown. We saw more releases from Finland, which Finland, 
for whatever reason, is is a small little country that sees a fair amount of releases over the years. Uh, Nighttime Bastards, that fellow was from there. And then they've been doing like a yearly sauna game, which I'm still not really sure what that's about. Um, <laughs> oh, but that's in its like third or fourth installment. And then uh, What Remains, this really interesting looking... I'm not even quite sure how to describe it. Uh, that went on up for sale a few months back. and Did you get to play that yet? No, because I, I'm waiting for the cartridge to arrive. So there was oh, a free man. ROM release. I, I want to talk about what remains, and not what remains of Edith Finch, but just what remains. Um, mm-hmm. I want to talk about it some other day, but I do want to wait until it shows up. And I think they ran into some manufacturing delays. But the, the ROM is out there if anybody wants to check it out and it looked really interesting, but I haven't sat down to play it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you've got a copy coming to you, I think. Yes, I do. As do I. Uh, I think they were <laughs> limiting it to like 80, so I don't know if there's copies still available, but it's definitely worth kind of checking out. Even with import and taxes and whatever else, it's kind of pricey, but eh, whatever. Um, so other than Finland, it seems like there's been some stuff coming out from Japan also, right? Man, like... That has really taken off this year. It's exciting. Japan has never had a lot of homebrew releases. You know, people talk about like, oh, maybe there's this underground Famicom homebrew scene. It's like, no, there's not. (laughs) We had, you know, Mr. Splash. That was kind of the first one. There was Blade Buster, but that was ROM only. They were all scared of getting sued by Nintendo, from what I've read. And they didn't want to actually do like cart releases. Even Mr. Splash like came as a kit and you had to assemble it yourself like, the oh, chips I forgot were, all about that. Yeah, yeah, the chips were flashed, but you had to solder it together into an actual cartridge because uh, hmm. they didn't want to be sued. Uh, but then there was Blade, Bo- Blade Buster and then... Blade Balls. Yeah. And then a few years ago, there was a kind of a musical game by uh, Riki. He did art and music, and it, it was kind of a simplistic game where you just like jumped through stars and stuff like that. But he established uh, some sort of presence with, or he established a relationship with Columbus Circle and Play Asia. And from that, like the game sold so well that now within the last year there or a couple years, there's been four or five music cart releases and then also some some small games. And the games are actually growing in scope and volume, which is has been interesting to watch. The graphics have been really good in some of those, um, did you say music games? No, no, there's like actual music carts, and then there's more, they're almost like music games, like where the focus isn't so much on gameplay, but like the integration of art, music, and gameplay. Yeah. If that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, from the ones that I've checked out, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what genre to classify them, but the graphics have been pretty impressive in some of those. Yeah, and uh, PlayAsia has also picked up, uh, talked to Civac, and they're doing, or they have already done now it's been released a battle kid re-release on famicom uh version 2.0 which kind of massages a lot of the design from the first one that was released through retro usb and makes the game um i want to say more accessible (laughs) easier whatever whatever you like uh i'm yeah i mean i I think any of those terms will work i mean anything that gives you you know allows you to take more than one hit without dying is is definitely uh more accessible (laughs) yeah i mean he redid the graphic some of the graphics he redid the level design like it's not just a simple you get more hit points like i think it's a full reimagining and like a director's cut of 
of the first game uh, made a little easier, which is kind of interesting because, you know, magazines and people and whatnot always accused once games left Japan, they were made easier because we couldn't figure out how, you know, how to play the games. Uh, but <laughs> instead, is once Battle Kid gets released in Japan, it's made easier for them. So that's, that's sort of fun to watch. Yeah, it's cool that it's getting a little bit more, you know, exposure again after all these years because people still hold that series, you know, in really high regard. Yeah, and uh, Jesse Zesler, and he has been keeping a list kind of he's been sort of he's over in somewhere in Asia doing some teaching, I think, or something like that. And he's actually been working to establish some connections and get the rest of the world information about what's going on there. And so things like uh, VeggieTablets Go and Eleven, two other games that were not part of the PlayAsia stuff, but just sort of independent releases made by uh, a couple, I believe. Uh, he, you know, he's helped a lot of us track these games down and purchase them. So that was, you know, shout out to him for doing some great work there. Uh, Can you buy that Battle Kid re-release online? Yeah, yeah. You just go to Play Asia. I've had that tab open for four months now. What's it running in uh, US like dollars? 40, 50 bucks, something like that after shipping. Okay. Yeah, I, I definitely want to check it out because, you know, Battle Kid is as listeners know battle kid is the game that we love to hate but absolutely it is definitely a game that i want to just i hate it because i want to enjoy it more and so i feel like this re-release might address a lot of those issues and so perhaps we will see it on a future podcast who knows <laughs> i've said that about a lot of games now so i guess we we gotta get <laughs> hopefully somebody's keeping a list of what i said we're gonna talk about so many games, so little time. Oh, we have the time. We don't have kids. <laughs> you want to uh, talk about Nova the Squirrel a little bit? Nova the Squirrel, that uh, was released this year. Uh, it's a yeah, ROM it a release. <laughs> it's a cute game, man. How many games do you get to be a squirrel? It's true. And Nova, that's his username online. He did a ROM release. I believe you can buy it on itch.io. And yeah, it's like a puzzle platforming fun time. And of course, we can't uh, talk about the the year in review without mentioning Twin Dragons, one of the uh, one of the darlings of the the Nestev competition. Kevin, it wasn't the darling; it was the winner <laughs> of the twenty seventeen. Well, yeah, it's one of the darlings. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, so Twin Dragons shipped. You know, we talked about in 2017 how Eskimo Bob had gone from like Kickstarter to shipping super fast, and then Twin Dragons kind of followed the same path, and it was released shortly after the the Kickstarter. But yeah, that's finally in people's hands. Limited versions, regular versions. You can go buy it right now. It's it is on the list of games that I desperately need to play. But uh, it's really fun. Have you played it? Oh yeah, he sent me some copies to give away for the marathon, and I um, definitely unboxed one and played it. <laughs> well, that was on our list for patrons, supporters of the podcast to vote on what we should review next. It's going to happen. Uh, oh yeah, it was, it was like, I think, number three, and so maybe we'll do another one of those votes pretty soon, and maybe Twin Dragons will uh, get his day in the light. Uh, I do then hope so. Then it can so. be the darling of our podcast. Oh, they're still lizard, man. <laughs> Don't take that away from me. And for those of you who, like me, are all about the Xbox One, 
Haunted Halloween 86 came out for that system, which was really freaking awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's that's crazy to see an original NES homebrew game be released on a modern platform. Yeah. Just super impressive. With achievements. <laughs> yeah, with, with achievements, because you have to put those in when you make an Xbox game. Yep. But I, w- I was actually, you know, in Pittsburgh the day that it was released, and that was that was a cool evening uh, to watch. Like, they were, both Greg and Tim were just sitting there waiting, and, like, things did go wrong, you know. You know, you watch Indie Gamer the movie, and you're like, hey, did they spice that up some, <laughs> like, where it just didn't appear on the Xbox channel? No, stuff just doesn't appear on the Xbox channel, so... They were flipping out, you know, emailing back and forth, and then finally showed up, and, you know, they still couldn't access half the stuff, but it was there, and uh, it was just very neat to see, and it was it was nice to be in even just an observational part of that uh, process, but yeah, if, if you're into yeah. modern games and you don't want to lug around cartridges and NES, go download on Halloween 86 and have a blast. Yeah, I have, you know, both the games on cartridge, but when I saw that, in the the Microsoft store. I just had to give them my money one more time cuz I mean how many opportunities do you really get to buy an NES game on the Xbox? That's <laughs> just so cool. Hopefully more as as time goes so. on. I would love, you know, we're making homebrew games, but they're still games. They have an audience. They they don't sell and they're not unique and they're not uh fun just because they're on the nes they're 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 all of those things because they're they're well designed and they're you know the polish is there people take the time they're living the dream and all that so it's nice to see the wider exposure Mm -hmm. and then kevin we have to talk about something else the kickstarter heard around the world micro mages there's nothing micro about that it set records, didn't it set records? It seemed like it just kept going and going and going, and I cannot wait to get my copy. It set a lot of records, and that was amazing to watch. Within like the first day, it was that like 15 grand or something, and it just went from there. It, it demolished Super Russian Roulette, which was the last uh, previously you know, held the record for highest grossing Kickstarter. It was insane. It was like I sneezed and it was funded. Like it was Oh, every so day. Fast. If you did, if you didn't buy that limited version within the first like half hour, it was gone. <laughs> Sounds a lot like Galf. Yeah, well, we'll get to Galf. Um <laughs> But yeah, Micromages like it's been in development. You know, it's it's weird because we're talking about, you know, the best or the events of 2018 and they all span multiple years. They all started previous years. They might end different years, but what you know? What was important with 2018? And 2018 saw Micromages finally reach people that could actually play it. You know, it had been in testing for over a year. Um, the game had been you know pretty much done and sitting there, and so to see it finally get released, and you know they they hit all these shows in Germany and France and whatnot, and people you know we we showed it at a few places in the U.S. And like people were just ready for it. And I think that was a large part of its success is that it didn't hide behind closed doors. It kind of did. But in terms of local events, like people knew what it was when they saw it. And they were like, yes, I want that. I want that right now. It's, it's amazing. And it is. Yeah. And I think this game is a very good example of like you were saying, like, it's not good because it's an NES game. Like this is just a well-polished and well-balanced and just fun game to play. 
Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, I really hope that it gets. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's getting a crap ton of exposure because of you know the n- the number of Kickstarter sales it made. But I really hope that it goes even further than that. Oh, I have no doubt that it will. It's amazing as a four player game. It's a lot of fun and all that that crap. But if you don't have three friends sitting around you at all times, the single player version is to me was just amazing. There's been talk of them bringing it to the Switch, too, I think. I don't know how serious that talk is, but hey, I it's would, an exciting prospect. I would love to see Micromages on a modern platform. That would just be... Because it would reach the it would reach gamers, and they would be able to play yes. it and enjoy it, and done. That's all we need. Mm-hmm. 2019's going to be exciting. Yeah, well, yeah, and it should ship pretty shortly after the fact. I think they're spending all their time building carts now, (laughs) (laughs) or at least dealing with, uh, you know, post-Kickstarter everything. I offered to help them, but they didn't want to fly me out. (laughs) So Nebs and Debs came out this year also, right? Yeah, so while the Micromages Kickstarter was going on, uh, Nebs and Debs also hit Kickstarter, and it was just kind of the perfect storm there. And that's, you know, done by Chris Cacciatore. He did the Spookatron art. He uh, does amazing art, but he also does some wonderful game design. And this, he's got this fun little, another NROM platformer, uh, like Micromages, but it's, you know, horizontal, not vertical. And yeah, it's just a charming little game. It's got a lot of character and that did, that did rather well with the crowdfunding approach. And that should be shipping. It might even ship by the end of 2018 he's been sending you know constant updates to backers about the time is here like it's getting real close uh (laughs) but we'll see if it you know hits the end of the year is the first game release next year yeah i'm excited to try it that you know it was fun watching the progress of that development you know because he was pretty active on twitter posting updates um but that dash mechanic is just such a cool idea i i really look forward to uh to giving that a whirl yeah, and with with Micromages and Nebs and Debs both hitting Kickstarter and both doing rather well, like there's kind of been a slew of end of the year Kickstarter campaigns, uh, like uh, just too many almost to keep track of. Another <laughs> another uh, Eskimo Bob game, uh, Pycross, some other various things. Like at some point, I was like, I don't have enough money to support all these. I know it was I get? getting pretty uh, rough, man. I know, I know, but there was like five or six, and you know, that's what happens when, uh, you know, something successful like Micromages raises 160 grand, like, people will show up to. <laughs> it's so true, though. Well, it's just kind of what happens when you see, you know, when something really successful hits, like Micromages, or we're just, you know, a lot of projects are hitting that time in their uh, development span where it's like, nope, need to start considering how to get this to people and so it'll be interesting to see uh what happens because we had a big drought there for like six months where nobody released a game and then everything uh, came out yeah and then everything comes out at once which is ten tends to be how it works there's no no planning when when games are coming out it's exciting times so can't complain too much yeah well you know it used to be back in you know 08 09 2010 that you get three games a year and you just had to like hope that they were great. But now there's, there's kind of a a wide variety and like some may not be your cup of tea, but others are. And you actually get to, you know, go through that whole process of buying them and figuring out what they're about and seeing if you like them. And, but it reminds me of the days when 
you didn't get a chance to buy the three games that came out that year because there were a lot more than three games that came out that year. And so are you talking about the, the, the licensed era? I am talking about the licensed era. It's just, it's nice that we have the variety to be able to not have everything. The era of golf. You mean golf? Oh, golf. Let's talk about golf. Actually, do they have an exclamation point in that? Are you supposed to shout it? Is it golf? Golf. I should look to see if there's actually that exclamation point. But yeah, Galf. pretty sure there is. Yeah, Galf has been uh, pre-sailed or pre-released or whatever you want to call that. And what is Galf, Kevin? Galf. Oh man, <laughs> same as last time. So Galf is <laughs> a mini game taken out of a Switch game called Golf Story, which was an amazing sports RPG. Yes, yeah, RPG. Actually played all the way through i beat it it was a blast but throughout the game you come across this game called golf which is very similar to the game we all know as golf as growing up on the nes but um thomas who did eskimo bob actually was contracted to create golf in real life so he programmed it for the real nes system and then released it through uh, limited run games which, like uh, Haunted Halloween 86 being on the Xbox One, getting a physical NES release through one of these major companies like Limited Run Games is pretty darn neat to see. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it seems like uh, you always get the people that are like, ah, Homebrew's dead, you know, it's over, it's had its day in the sun. And those are all the people that, you know, were big into it a few years ago, but. I think in terms of volume and the actual number of people interested in this stuff, it's actually grown since then. Uh, naysayers be uh, be darned. Yeah, I think that it's homebrew seems dead to people because it is not like it's not sort of transpiring through the same means as it has in the past. Like it was so forum based in the past where a game would come out, they'd announce it in a thread. The people on that forum would buy it and distribute it and talk about it. But now it seems like the, the audience is way more spread out and games are being released by other means. So I don't think people are quite accustomed to the way things are right now. So it's definitely not dead. Um, it's just harder to gauge. I think. Yeah, well, but you can gauge it because you can look at the numbers for these sales. You know, Galf sold 2,000 copies in 10 seconds. And Micromages, you can, all the Kickstarters, you can see the numbers. You can see there's interest there. And so it's mm -hmm. it's been interesting to kind of watch uh, as different channels are hit um, that, you know, you never know where this is all going to go. Yeah, and that sort of leads me to um, to my sort of reflection on 2018. And it's... It's exciting having been, I mean, it's been a decade now since I've sort of been pretty heavily involved um, in the homebrew scene. So I've seen, I've seen it change quite a bit. Um, but man, like it just seems because of like Twitter and now like the new discord, like it seems like everyone is sort of coming together and the sense of community now I think is really greater than it's ever been. Um, you get people sort of popping in now who are new and they're taken aback by how like warm and receptive uh, the community is. And, and I think that everyone is just really genuinely excited to, uh, to help other people out and see what they're coming up with. 
Um, so at this point, I think the sky's the limit. I don't think we've, I think we're starting to sort of scratch the surface on where we can go, um, as far as quality. Um, but it's only going to get better and it's, it's a great time to, uh, to be alive in this scene right now. Well, and it's a scene that anybody can join. There's no restriction other than putting in some effort and time. And that's, uh, that to me has been one of the best parts about it. Uh, as someone who didn't know how to program or do art or anything, um, just, you know, get involved and, and see where, see where it takes you. But anyways, and you you don't even know where it's going to take you because where you expect to go, I'm sure you're going to wind up going. I mean, it's just amazing because I mean, just yesterday you're, you're learning Lua right now, right? Like I'm sure you never would have even considered that you would be learning a modern language I, even a year ago. I still don't want to, but <laughs> ah, there is that. Uh, sometimes you have to do something to uh, get the results you want. But anyways, yeah, you just, yeah, you don't know. Well, let's talk about the game that we're here to talk about today. Well, you've been in the community for 10 years. Uh, where did it all begin, Kevin? It seems like it's that time of year again. Where did what all begin? Me me, be, me coming into the community? Yes, you, you entering the homebrew community. What was your very first project way back when? My very first project was doing the music for a little-known game called 8-Bit Xmas 2008. I think I've heard of that. <laughs> it's not even much of a game. Um, I think it's just uh, snow falling on a house. Yeah, uh, definitely not a game. <laughs> and if you, um, if you let it run and it fills up the screen with snow, it crashes. <laughs> the first of many bug fests. Ah, uh, yes. The yearly tradition. So pretty much as far back... As homebrews on cart stretch, eh, plus or minus three years there, uh, the 8-Bit Xmas series has been kind of an annual thing that a lot of us look forward to. And what, describe the series as a whole for me, Kevin, besides 2008, which you just described, because they weren't all just kind of Christmas cards. What, what do we see with the Xmas series? Uh, it seems like Brian, and they've gotten a little bit more elaborate as the years went on, um, but it seems like Brian usually comes up with some technical challenge that he wants to accomplish and then programs a game around it. <laughs> so 2009, um, he started with a four-player snowball fight game that I did the music for and also did the graphics for. Well, look that at was you probably my first graphics gig in the scene and that really quickly made me realize that i am no good at graphics so uh, i don't think there have been many more nes games i've done graphics oh, for. you did but, graphics for snake and peak uh that is not true really uh david fiandello famously Gimmick? known for the battle kid okay. graphics did uh the graphics for sneak and peak wow that's <laughs> no wonder he doesn't put that on his resume <laughs> no one does <laughs> Uh, yep. So four player snowball fight, which was a lot of fun. And that's another sort of thing that the Xmas games were known for four players sort of sitting around, you know, the family living room, you know, throwing each throwing things at each other in this game. It was snowballs. You're always jumping uh, 20... down that rabbit hole of like, Hey, Kevin, describe this. And then you're like 10 steps into like all these fine choices, but step back the Xmas series, four player games generally. 
Oh, uh, you want me to describe characteristics of the 8-bit Xbox yeah, games? Man, yeah, yeah. Before you tell, tell listeners what all 10 of the games are. I thought that's what you wanted, so let me back up We're getting and there. give We're you getting some there. broad strokes. I'm going to paint you a word picture right now. Mm. So typically, when November rolls around-ish, Brian uh, announces that the yearly Xmas cart is available, um, and he usually only offers them through the end of the year. So you have... You know, usually a couple months um, to order them, and then once January hits, he cuts off orders. So if you haven't ordered it, hate it for you. You're gonna have to buy it secondhand. And in the past, those have sort of skyrocketed. Uh, these days, it's kind of evened out. But um, yep, limited offering. Usually, they're simple games, uh, fast. You know, multiplayer. Just fun little things that you can sit down, pick up with friends. You don't have to explain how to play it. You can just sit down. Well. Other than 2014, but we'll get to that. Yeah, um, we'll get to that. Yep, just fun little games um, with Christmas music. Uh, the first few years I was doing it, um, then it sort of became too much with the other things I had going on when I started programming myself. So, passed things off to Zai, who has taken the music to new levels. But yeah, Christmas music, fun games. Uh, he, for a while, offered uh, custom title screens to where you could actually customize your cartridge with a message he would give you you know three or four lines um and you could tell him what you wanted to put on it so when you boot up the game your message would be right there you had to pay a little bit extra for that I which think. is always fun when you buy second hand you're like hey merry christmas <laughs> rasputin and you're like huh <laughs> who's rasputin are you are you speaking from firsthand uh experience no maybe maybe <laughs> Uh, but this year he didn't offer that uh, for whatever reason. And again, we'll get to that uh, when we talk about this game specifically. Yeah, keep backing up. I, I need more details about the up, series. I'm backing up. I'm, I'm keeping a handle on it. You, you just right. calm down, Bo. I'm calm. I'm calm. <laughs> um, another thing that, uh, though, well, not, not all of us, but some of us liked um, were the uh, accompanying pinup girl cards that came with the games. Um, the first couple years he used, uh, like some friends of his wife, um, his sister-in-law, just different, uh, I yeah. guess different girls <laughs> he had access to. Okay. You, you can't phrase it. He used these women that he had access to. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me think of a better way to phrase that. I don't know if there is a better way to phrase that. <laughs> he contracted with some women to use them in provocative positions and put them on pinup cart. No, that doesn't sound right either. What are we going to do with this? He paid women. Okay. To no. <laughs> no, Brian paid women. Go on. <laughs> All right. So there's no good way to say that every year there was a Christmas card with the cartridge with the pinup girl Wait, on it. He commissioned pinup uh, postcards. Yes. That's pretty tame, right? I think so. Yeah, that's, so, that's way better than Some of the girls he knew, uh, but eventually he had to start using uh, stock photos because he ran out of uh, local talent. <laughs> I think that's... Is that everything? No, you're missing, like, the biggest, flashiest, most eye-catching part of the Xmas series. You're not talking about blinky lights, are you? 
You say that like I was supposed to be saying something that you were cued for, like that was a fed line, <laughs> but you you really left out the most important part here. What part? Blinky lights. Oh, blinky lights. And? Uh, and also, last but not least, they come with blinky lights. You put the cartridge in your system and it lights up like the Griswold house, man. It's just like lights flashing and he um a lot of the games he actually programs the lights to flash when things happen in the game uh so it's sort of like a choreographed thing it's pretty cool it is seizure inducing if you suffer from that (laughs) condition you want to use a front loader and shut the lid the rest of us use a top loader and watch it in all its glory and they've only gotten brighter like one year he switched to leds and it's like good god man who was using before incandescence yeah, well, I guess they might have been LEDs, but maybe he switched to a different version. There but you go. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. <laughs> that's that's all geeky stuff that's way over my head. Ah, those hardware guys. <laughs> all right, now I think I can let you return. You left off last with 2009. What was 2010? 2010 uh, found you, the player, as Santa Claus floating through the air in your sled dropping presents into chimneys so it was a fun scrolling type uh just i don't know just a fun little game where you're trying to drop uh, presents in the chimneys yeah i enjoyed that one uh 2011 saw what many people consider to be one of the best uh xmas yes. releases we we now know it as quadralords um do, but it is a four player uh breakout style game uh and it usually gets some uh some heated uh how can we say i don't know the some heated competitive spirits going oh that um yes yeah it's kind of a clone of the of warlords which was on the 2600 uh with you know four players with the paddle or not paddle yeah paddle dials where you you know you're kind of like doing a quarter circle in your corner to protect it but yeah it's like pong or breakout uh bouncing that ball around 2012 i believe you know a little thing about 2012 2012 something very interesting happened oh boy brian said man i just don't have time to make a game this year well technically he said that with 08 too Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, he didn't program all of them, but go on. <laughs> he said, we don't have a game. Yeah, we need a game. And I just happened to be in the room when he said this. Um, and at the time, I was working on a port of an Intellivision game uh, called Biplane, which is part of a multi-card on the Intellivision. But he said, hey, we could use that. And I said, oh, okay. Um, so that was a lot of pressure because at that point the 8-bit Xmas series had developed a pretty good following so um i think since the game wasn't very christmasy uh we added snow to the <laughs> title screen <laughs> but that's uh, about the only connection it has to uh the wintry months well outside of like uh 2010 maybe 2009 like 2010, you're Santa, so yes, that's Christmas related. 09 snowballs, you're kind of Christmassy, but then you hit a string of them where it's like, there's this has nothing to do with Christmas. Cash grabs, nothing new. As Brian would say, blinky lights. 
And that's all. Yeah. You know, that's where it stops <laughs> Jelly and starts. Beans. Jelly beans. Yes. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I had the the great pleasure of uh, doing the 2012 Christmas cart, so that was fun. That that took me a long time to find that one. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. You ended up uh, giving me a copy. I don't know if it was your own. I forget now. Uh, is that the one that we got at uh, PRGE? Yeah, no, you, uh, I was going to buy one off of, uh, Mog and you kept blocking him from selling it to me and I couldn't figure out why. And then suddenly I got, uh, biplane that year. Yeah. I think you got my mom's copy. Oh, oh, <laughs> how sweet. Yes. I should go for the Kevin's mom's collection. <laughs> Well, the, that sneak and peek was sold too, so she is she's gameless. Oh, I know, but I can find them. I can <laughs> find them. Anyways, 2013, I uh, I stopped doing music. I uh, started focusing on my own projects, sort of full time, and uh, didn't do music anymore. Passed it off to Zai. And 2013 was the year that the space shooter type uh, Xmas game came out, which is now known as Solaris. There we go. It's not all about the music handoff. Yes, it's a sliding shooter where you shoot stuff, which would probably be somewhat forgettable to many people, except A, it's very well done, and B, Mm -hmm. it is one of two games that my wife plays, so I have to watch her play it for like probably 40 hours in the month of December. I hear she's pretty good at it, too. Oh, no one has beaten her score. I know that much. That's crazy. And, you know, I've heard that this uh, Gloves, Douglas Glover, who Mm -hmm. did the shmup speed, I hear that he's really good at things. Like, he's toppled now Paul's Blade Buster score. I'm curious if he's the one who will finally topple uh, my wife's score in in 2013. But uh, (laughs) I know Mog can't do it. And that's that's some trash talk right there, buddy, because I've been giving it to you for years. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, she loves it. On the the one time, uh, the one time that she got her highest score, but then hit reset before it saved it to the memory. Oh man, you oh, want to talk about that. somebody losing her stuff? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were trying to find like ways with Game Genie to get her score back, and it was just a mess. But anyways, 2013 was actually very well done, and that was the first year that we saw things like flash saves, uh, UN Run oh, 512, yeah. and all that times now let me ask you a question in one word could you describe what 2014 uh what word comes to mind when you think of 2014 christmas cartridge enigma (laughs) why would you say that because as a famous man once said it's an enigma wrapped in a mystery smothered in secret sauce and plastered over two power pads. Yeah. So, Brian, these hardware guys, man, we somebody's got to lock them down or get them all together. <laughs> one of the two. But 2014, you could use like two power pads, eight controllers, six zappers, and 14 robs. And <laughs> you actually could use robs with this game. Uh, no zappers, but the robs, yes. But it's like a, if you've ever played Killer Queen, the arcade game, it's a clone of that, which I think probably 99% of the NES homebrew enthusiast community at the time was like, we've never heard of that game. They bought yeah. it. They bought it because it was, you know, Xmas series and, you know, blinky lights. But 
they had no clue what they were doing in it. And I still don't. And it's bizarre because, you know, when we go to MAGFest, they have these arcades there for Killer Queen, and there are lines of people just, like, waiting their turn to play because it is such a hit. But when this game came out on the NES, it was just met with utter bewilderment. Like, people didn't know how to play it, what was going on. Like, it it was crazy. Well, you and I went to MAGFest the one year and we saw the lines. We're like, that's weird. And the next year we're like, these lines must mean something. We should probably play whatever's here. And then like partway through, we're like, this is Xmas 2014. I know this game. <laughs> yeah. And after you figure it out, it's fun. It's just, there's, there's sort of a learning curve. Someone has to explain it to you. Yeah. And like beyond the, the, the Rob thing, I got to talk about the Rob thing because it's very neat, but. If you start the game, and you don't even have to play the game, because Rob doesn't care if you're actually playing, he just detects the uh, screen flashes. This is R period O, the robot operating buddy, not not Rob from Slydog Studios. <laughs> Although he'll dance to it too, I'm sure. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, you can get uh, a Rob to dance to the screen flashes, and Brian... When he went to release, it had like, it was like 14 or 30 of them in a room, and they were all dressed as little carolers with you know, Christmas hats and candles in their little hands, and they're all singing and moving, and it was like, huh. But yeah, nobody, I don't think anyone's ever actually played 2014. A shame. Ever. Like, I'm talking anybody. If there's a listener (laughs) out there who's actually played 2014 and can verify it, and played it well, not just like played it and turned it off, I I would, I'd love to hear uh, what you have to say. Um, (laughs) So please write in. 2015, though, 2015. Uh, brought us back to something Sanity. that our our <laughs> feasible, you know, our feeble minds could comprehend. Uh, a game that we now know as 12 Seconds, um, which uh, has you playing as a little square sprite, and you move as far as you can in 12 seconds, and then it stops, and a new one spawns, oh, and it then doesn't you control stop. that one. You die. You just, wherever you were at, you die right there. It doesn't turn into a block, though, that you use to stack well, no, you blocks? It, it doesn't change your sprite. You, if you were like a little present running around, you're still that little present, and then you just stop. Like, that life is gone, and then you have a new life. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You run, and you build on top of it, and you build towers, and you get up to the goal and all that good stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. That's one of the better ones. For a long time, I think 2015 was my favorite. Uh and that's because I was missing a few of the earlier ones, but I still, I still think it's one of the better ones. And Mog, uh, he did a lot of the level design on that one. I think he designed almost all the levels. And somebody else actually wrote the engine, not Brian. But yeah, it's a great game, man. I mean, I've I've sat down to play it um, many times, and you know, time will just fly by, and you realized you've done twenty or thirty or forty levels. Well, yeah, there's over, well over like a hundred. Mm-hmm. Very you addicting. S- you start randomly on a level, and there's all sorts of little jokes and humorous things, and it's just very funny. But you keep saying something. You keep saying, you know, Xmas 2015, also known as 12 Seconds, or Xmas 2011, now known as Quadra Lords. What do you mean by that? Well, I don't know if they had, like, I-, I don't know. Like, I can't, I want to describe them in a way that people might comprehend like and when brian released the avs he sort of created this launch series of games and he took some of the more popular christmas games and sort of repackaged them 
gave them fancy titles like Quadralords and 12 <laughs> Seconds and Solaris um, and, you know, just re-release them as standalone games. So um, it's in my brain, it's hard for me to sort of think about them as Christmas games when they've been re-released with with better titles. Well, not just better titles. Uh, they had bug improvements, you know, so, some things were fixed, some new levels were designed, things like that. So they they were actually, you know, remastered for the for the AVS launch. But yeah, that's that's what I was getting at is that if you if you just want to play the games and you go on retrousb.com, you can actually pick them up as the AVS launch series titles under the names that Kevin keeps giving them. Mhm. But 2016, we got to keep this moving, man. 2016 is my favorite. I love pinball games. Her? Um, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, man, this game is awesome. Like, I hate that it's a little bit buggy. Um, sometimes the score goes a little crazy. Sometimes the ball goes a little crazy. But overall, it's such a solid, fun pinball game. Man, I fun pinball game. That just to me, those two thing, those two things don't don't match up. But to well, each their own, I guess. An RPG. Uh, that, there, there was a pinball RPG. Um, was there? I believe so. On the Turbo Graphics, at least it had like uh, three quarter bird's eye perspective sprites and stuff, and like you play through like there's level progression and all that. It's just why would somebody do that to themselves? Why? <laughs> That's a PRPG though. <laughs> so you don't like 2016 that much? Um. I I liked I like progress I like progression and so I that's why I like twelve seconds is because you're always progressing and yeah and I I like twenty thirteen except my wife's so much better than me that it's just not fun to play because she makes <laughs> she belittles me. I did the graphics on that one too. Sorry, I, I th- that one I'm actually proud of. Um, I think I did a good <laughs> job. It's like the one graphical game that I that I enjoyed that I did. I love how we all have our list of things we're proud of and things we did that. We're not quite so proud of. <laughs> I hear 2017 was the great deceiver in the Xmas series. Well, it's uh, it's like one of those one of these things is not like the other type thing. Um, he decided for 2017 that he was going to take all of the games uh, that had come out uh, since 2008 and sort of put them on a multi cart. So you can, you know, if you missed out, like in 2008, I think he released, I don't know, like 50 something copies of that one. Like some of them are pretty hard to come by. So uh, 2017, you were able to pick up the multi-cart and play all of the previous year's Xmas games on one cartridge. Uh, and the one, the coolest thing about 2017's cartridge is it had an LED label uh, that would actually display a graphic of the you know, the label of whatever respective game you were playing. Uh, and if you played it on a top loader, it could detect that and it would flip the image. It's so cool. Yeah. Uh, 2017, because prices by that point for games like 08 had reached over a thousand bucks. And even finding one was and still is extremely difficult. Like, if you can track one down, you're going to pay for it uh, if, if you really want it. And so the 2017 multi-cart was a nice homage to homage to just all, all the work that had gone into these over the years. And it was it was an easy way for people to 
pick up past releases and get in on the fun and not feel like they'd missed anything. And so, yeah, the, between the LED label, the being able to choose any game, uh, flash saves are kind of hit or miss because if you like 2013 and 2015 both use flash saves and if you play 2015 after playing 2013 it'll erase over your 2013 saves oh, you bummer. don't really want that uh your wife will be very angry ask me how <laughs> but the other thing about 2017 is unlike all of the other releases he did not limit it to just the season of that year's you know november december yeah, that's true. I forgot to mention that. that. You can actually still buy 2017, can't you? Yeah, and that's why I call it the Great Deceiver is because some dude on the forums popped in and was like, Ryan's a liar and he's a filthy <laughs> scumbag because this one isn't limited and he said it was. And it's like, well, he never said it was. And just go away, fella. Uh, you, you're a pill. <laughs> so, yeah, 2017, it's like kind of there as the marker for the previous 10 years or nine years. If you want to understand what the Xmas series is about, just buy 2017 and be done with it. Like you don't have to go, you know, eBay and forums and illicit backdoor deals and Denny's parking lots. You don't have to do any of that. You can just buy this one game and have everything and check it out. And yeah, that's awesome. Pretty modest price too, which I think it was like 75 bucks. I don't know if he's raised it now. Well, yeah, if you were trying to accumulate all the other games, I mean, you wouldn't even come close to that price. So. Oh, at one point, sets were selling for like three to four grand. God, that's so crazy. Oh, you just, you sigh because you sold yours for like a hundred bucks. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I know how this works. Yeah. But, but that brings us to 2018, right? Oh, we need a drum roll for that or something. Oh, okay. Oh, you're you're like the kid in Hook doing it on your stomach, aren't you? <laughs> That's all I got. This year, this year we are starting a new decade of Christmas carts and Xmas 2018. That is what we're actually here to talk about today. Oh yeah, good stuff too. It's based on an old computer game. Uh, Minesweeper? Nope. Uh, Solitaire? Nope. XCOM? All right, I'm just going to stop you right there. It is based on a wonderful game that I know, and you know, well, you probably don't know, some people know as Ski Free. I don't know because I never played Ski Free growing up. Oh, man, it's so fun. What is Ski Free? You ski and it's free. Nope, it's not free. Well, I guess it is free. It's a free demo. Free roaming. Um, so basically, free roaming. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so you, uh, you're going down uh, a snowy mountain uh, on skis, and in this game, we added snowboard graphics also, so you can be a cool little snowboarder, and you're dodging trees, you're going through flags, you're jumping off ramps, uh, and the longer that you can stay up without falling, uh, your score continues to accumulate, um, and once you fall, your score kind of resets, so it's... The name of the game is to stay on your feet and uh, rack up those points. You can do cool flips, all sorts of cool stuff. You can do flips? You can do flips, my friend. So yeah, it has all kind of the characteristics of the Xmas series that we that we stated. It's got blinky lights, it's got, you know, Christmas music, all that good stuff. But then, yeah, it's an endless skier, obstacles, challenges, and goals. They're, you know, it's all pretty simplistic. It's based off the old free 
exertainment, no, not exertainment, entertainment pack. Exertainment's that bicycle for the Nintendo <laughs> uh, or Super Nintendo. But um, yeah, it's it's one of those things that a lot of people have, I think, fond memories of playing, and it's it's very Christmassy. Yeah, I mean, and it's it it's tried and true with the very easy to pick up. I mean, you sit down, you kind of understand what's going on. You don't have to read a manual to figure it out. Um, but it's just sort of a lighthearted, fun game. So, what do you like about Ski Free, Kevin Hanley? I like that we put snowboarders in it. Who's we? You keep saying we put snow. Did you do the graphics? Absolutely. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> Uh, only for the snowboarder, basically. Oh. <laughs> um, so when he decided and announced uh, that he was going to do Ski Free, um, I just very sort of casually said, okay, well, you better put snowboarders in it too. You know, just a, an easy graphic swap, right? Uh, and he said, all right, if you do the graphics, I'll put it in. Um, so I held him to that uh, after the ski graphics were done. And I think the ski graphics were done by... Um, the retrotainment guys. I think Zach did them actually. I believe he did. Yes. So yeah, I, I took sort of uh, the frames he used for the skier uh, and just sort of made a little snowboarder because uh, snowboarding is fun. And if my back was not terrible, I would be doing it some more. Says the man who was still playing hockey like two years ago. Well, you fool. That's probably why my back is how it is now. Uh, so. That's one of the reasons. <laughs> Now I can only dream about uh, snowboarding and playing hockey. I still remember when we finally at PRG a couple of years ago finally got you got to see the Burnside skate park that was featured in oh, Tony man. Hawk Three. And uh, there's just this one dude. There's nobody there. It's it's early in the morning, <laughs> and we're we're sitting there like just looking at the you know the graffiti and the art and the structure of the place. It's just this awesome place under the Burnside Bridge, and. Mm -hmm. Dude shows up and like scales this wall in like a single yes. bound, whips out a skateboard and does his little, you know, goes to the bowl or whatever you kids say. And <laughs> then he turns to Kevin and he's like, hey, man, you skate? And Kevin's like, yeah. And he, he like proffers his board to him and is like, you want to try this? And Kevin's like, no, I will die. <laughs> yeah. Like Burnside is no joke, man. Like. There's no nothing flat about that place. Like you get on the board, if you don't know what you're doing, uh, it's not going to end well. So, uh, being on vacation and all that, I didn't want to <laughs> get back to Florida with broken bones. I enjoy that your response to all these fun activities that you used to do, like hockey or snowboarding or skateboarding, is like, I'll just die. I I can't. Yeah, it sucks, man. Like you used to be able to fall and get right back up, and you know, get back on. But now when you fall. You're healing for like three months, and you, in some instances, you're still not healed after that. Getting old sucks. That's my favorite part about the uh, Xmas 2018 graphics is that when you die, there's massive blood splatter everywhere. <laughs> he, he, he might have overdone it a little bit. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of blood. <laughs> Good stuff, man. I'm glad that you mentioned that. I forgot, I forgot all about it. Music is once again done by Zai. He did four wonderful tracks and we should play one. You'll recognize well, you'll recognize some of them, but there's one that you are not going to recognize. No? No, and it's the one we're gonna play. Oh, why aren't we gonna recognize it? Is it not a Christmas song? It is called Dominic the Christmas Donkey. <laughs> and it is 
And in Zai's own words, a weird Italian song I always heard on Long Island radio stations. Nice. Yeah, he he each year he kind of reserves one slot in the uh Xmas lineup to just pick something that is extremely random, which is very like him. And this <laughs> year was Dominic the Christmas Donkey. Well, let's check that out. Okay. So Xmas 2018, is it fun, and do you like it? Oh yeah, oh yeah to both questions, Bo. Um, not only is it a great return to form in the sense that it is wintry, it, it is an actual, actual Christmas it's an game. actual activity that you're going to do <laughs> in the wintertime, um, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's a fun, easily digestible sort of just sit down and have fun and you know, watch the blood flow, man. It's it's just so cool. I, I love this game. Yeah, it's very approachable. Uh, and I think it's replayable in that there there's no, like, definite goal. It's just go as long as you can. And, you know, it was on Windows computers, so it was one of those games that you'd sit and play while, you know, your boss was across the cubicle from you <laughs> and couldn't see what you were doing. And you would just, you know, do whatever you could to not work. But for a lot of people, I, I think it, it's a fun, enjoyable, relaxing uh, go-to game. There is one disappointment for me, though. I know what it is already. Do you? I think I do, but I've never played the original, so it's just from my wiki learning. The lack of the abominable snowman? Yep, that'd be the one. <laughs> well, nothing's perfect, right? Ah, maybe. You know, with Brian, you just have to keep hassling him, and then maybe he'll add it in later with... Uh, his AVS title, Abominable Snowman Skiing. Ooh, you're right. It might show up as an AVS release. Eh? Eh? <laughs> you never know. So how can, if people want to check this out, how can they play it? 
Well, um, if you were a Patreon supporter of the Assembly Line podcast, you probably have already played it because we were releasing we were releasing development ROMs um, as he was making them. But uh, nowadays, if you want to go check out the official demo ROM, uh, which is honestly the full game, just minus the blinky lights, you can go to RetroUSB.com. You can click on the homebrew category and uh, go to the 8-bit Xmas 2018 page, uh, and there's a link right there. Download the free ROM, uh, and you can play it uh, on a computer or emulator of your choice. Which we should say is another one of the characteristics of the 8-bit Christmas series is that he is always given the ROMs away for free. If mm-hmm. you want to, you know, pop it into your NES and see the blinky lights, you got to pay for it. But if you just want to play the darn game, then it's it's out there. Except I think 2013, the download link goes to like 2010. Oh, is that right? Yeah, for whatever reason, because every time uh, Elise wants to play it, I don't have it on the power pack. Does he know that? Like, has anyone told him? Uh, I'm telling him right now, Brian, your, <laughs> your link is broken. And if Brian don't do it, uh, I'm sure Mog's going to have to do it for him. one of those guys is. Uh, But yeah, if you want to buy it, uh, it is available on cartridge for $46 right now. For probably, by the time you hear this podcast, only another week. So unlike 2017, the multi-cart, this one is back to being capped at that, uh, you know, two months of being offered and that's it. You got to buy it on eBay or the forums after this. It's definitely worth it, guys. Go pick it up. Man, I'm getting all sentimental, man. Um, You're not going to retire, are you? uh, I'm not, but it it makes me want to kind of reflect on the year, you know? Like, the things that I've done, the things that I wanted to do. What do you think? You want to do that? You know what? It's a good time for that. Why not? (laughs) It's funny that you, you know, you talk about uh, me joking about retiring because i know that i've done that a time or 12 yeah i quit believing you after number two (laughs) i think i stopped believing myself it just became a fun joke to say but i don't know like it it starts to get uh a little a little sad when when you want to put out a game you know you have all this desire to do it but you just can't quite um get the assets to to put a finished product together so what do you mean you know, when 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 you are dependent on artists to to get you stuff, um, and I know everyone has you know things going on, so it's it's easier said than done when you're asking someone to put together you know thirty or forty, if you know full screens for you. What was the last project um, that you released? Last big scramble, one. and that was. I mean, that that wasn't big. That was that was right at the end of twenty seventeen. And your last big one was probably 2015 with with the incident. Yeah, but Larry and the incident. You've had some big projects that you've been talking about that you've been excited about at different times, like Isolation or Larry Two, mm-hmm. which I call Barry, <laughs> and Unicorn. You've had Risk. You you've had like a lot, and they just haven't quite come together the way that you wanted, uh, which has been. It's been sad to see. It's it's been hard to watch. Uh, I will say. Yeah, and it's easy. It's easy to get discouraged because you have all these high hopes and desires, and just 
you just don't quite have the tools to to put them together so you start getting down on yourself so uh the year you know started progressing and i started wondering you know is, is this the end like i did some some small projects with people just helping you know like with shmup speed um i help him put that out and you know other just like small things helping people learn but but nothing that i would put my name on and you know release as my own so I started wondering, you know, is this the end? But as the year sort of started, uh, the end of it started getting closer and closer. Um, I had this sudden spark of inspiration, uh, like I tend to do time, you know, now and then. Um, and I've gotten together, like we talked about last episode, with some some really motivated people, um, and we are probably. 30% done with this escape room game, which is really freaking cool. Um, and we will have a fully playable chapter, um, like I said, available to try out at MAGFest. And I think uh, the whole crew responsible for this game might be there. So uh, come by the booth and uh, talk to us about this game because we're excited to talk to it about, about it with you for sure. That was really surprising to see that project happen. Like you just went from one day being like, I'm not working on anything and I'm bored with life. Nothing, everything sucks to like, oh, I'm working on this project and it's amazing and it's all coming together and I just can't stop the progress. I'm like, oh, huh, huh. there's no middle with me, man. It's either doom and gloom or I'm on cloud nine. There's, there's no middle, <laughs> but yeah, like get getting, it's it's so refreshing finding people that are like motivated and that have ideas and that are interested in seeing, you know, every day's progression because every day we're doing more and more. It's it's just really cool. You know, we have a question with the game. We ask everyone's opinion. Um, everyone's opinion matters on this team, uh, and we all we're all contributing. So it's it's cool being a part of a team like that, and it's it's just nice being inspired again. There's nothing better than creating something uh in my opinion anyway like when i'm creating i am high on life and i'm feeling like i'm doing something worthwhile there's nothing better your projects have always sort of thrived off of the community itself uh, with the incident you had you know that core group of people that just shoved it forward and larry was you know several people saying hey you got to finish this and we're we're on board for it you know with Brad Bateman doing your graphics and another guy doing some sound for you. And your testers were just enthusiastic and amazing because I was one of them and we were great. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> Being able to share, like my whole thing is like sharing experiences with others. Like doing something by myself is not a whole lot of fun. But when I can get together with people and share in this creation process, like that's that's what I feed off of, man. It's just, it's so much fun. I like that your escape room project involves all new people too. And that's just, to me, that that's, it always feels like there's this big barrier to getting involved with this stuff, but there really isn't. Just start doing it and see what happens. And that's like what the uh, Peekabrews guy did. You know, he just started drawing art. Boom, done. He's really good at it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Jesus Christ. You just need a lot more of him. Um. <laughs> yeah, just clone him. Ooh, good thinking. What about you? Like, how did your year go? Did it like, did you accomplish what you wanted to accomplish? I never accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. 
Are you happy with it, though? Ah, I'm never happy with anything. You know that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's it. This year for me, like I, I had some definite goals. Like shipping Spook, starting to ship Spookatron January second was a big deal for me after all of the setbacks, and the rest of the year has kind of been dealing with more and more setbacks with that project. But finally at the end of it, like I'm sitting here on my desk right in front of me are the special edition boxes that I can never finish. They're partially assembled. They're sitting here and probably by the time this goes to air, they will hopefully be close to shipping. Um, it's crazy that the year started with Spookatron and is now ending with Spookatron. Uh, the crazy thing is it should have been out like two years before, but we won't get into that. <laughs> But it it was a rough year personally. There were several family deaths. Um, I lived in like four different states uh, just for work and for moving, and it it was it was just hard. Um, and so I didn't get done all the things that I wanted to, which which is hard in hindsight. But uh, progress on things like the book are that's at an all time high, and that's just gonna keep riding that out till it's done, I think. And you know, there, there's you gotta sometimes in life you gotta take the things you can feel good about and just hold on to those. And the things that didn't quite get done, you just strive to do better the next year. It seems like your programming skills have progressed pretty profoundly this year. Like the the work that you've done on your RPG that you've shown me, like that stuff has been really impressive. Ah, uh, I think that's been one of the frustrating things is I finally can do almost anything that I want to do or figure it out relatively quickly, but I don't have the time because of all these other projects that I, I committed yeah. to previously, which, you know, they pay the bills and they uh, have, have taught me a lot, but I am finally, what I'm trying to do now is in those few moments when I can is lay the groundwork for my larger dream projects. And you're right. They are getting closer and they are, they're actually feasible now, as opposed to when you had to deal with trying to teach me back in 2015, how to do <laughs> or 2013, how to do some of this stuff. Like, and now I'm asking you questions. We've come full circle. Well, I still didn't give you an answer that worked, but you know, Hey, you did. did oh, did you use that? I, I'm going to. I haven't implemented it yet, but huh. it makes sense to me, so I don't see why it's not going to. Oh, feather in the cap. Huh. <laughs> but anyways, it's the, yeah, the year's been rough. It, it's had its good points, it's had its bad points, um, but it's been really great watching the community as a whole uh, kind of come together over over a lot of things and just grow stronger. I, I feel like I feel like it's larger than it ever has been and and more committed than just, you know, quick resells and flips and things like that. Yeah. And speaking of the community, we finally got uh, a write-in question. (laughs) Did you see that? I I did because you sent it to me. (laughs) So do you want to read it? Uh, Yeah. What kind of voice do you want me to read it in? Um, oh, I don't know. In your latest episode, when you guys mentioned how hard it is to price homebrews, man, just forget it. If someone puts up a game for offer, I don't even bother. I get prices for some landmark release like Garage Cart or like Battle Kid LE are going to be pricey. But man, random couple year old games get markups of 200% the original price. 
Who's buying them? Wow, that was that was street smart. Uh, thanks. <laughs> is, that, is there a question in there? Ah, <laughs> uh, there's an exclamation and question mark at the end. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we touched uh, last time sort of on recurring topics in the community and, you know, whether these things that we are making in our basements, garages, or, you know, just normal people offices are collectible and if they, you know, the prices that are involved with them and things like that. And so this is one of the things that we addressed is that I get that nobody wants to pay two or three hundred percent of what a game was just released at, like a day later. And like, well, it's fine for those early things like Battle Kid or Garage Cart, but stuff today can't be like that. But that is literally what people were saying back in like 2007. They were like, these things will never be worth anything. This is trash. And (laughs) so I do. I, I don't know if you know, what's done today will ever be quite as much as, as some of that in terms of, of prices or whatnot. But th- there's always the the, op- the option for that. It, it could happen. You just, it's hard to say. You don't know. A game takes off, becomes super wide known like Micromages. There's only 75 uh, publicly released LE copies. Like those will probably trade hands for more. And some of the other stuff, you know, if there's only two or three copies ever made and the guy, the developer doesn't want to release it, uh, then, and that's the only way to play it is to have one of those copies, then, you know, they might be a little pricier. Um, people always say you can't create collectability, but you also really can't determine what's not going to be collectible. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right about that. So I know like after garage carts, the next most expensive homebrew is KIF, K-Y-F-F. Like that came years after all of this started. And yeah, it was extremely limited, but who was to know that that was going to end up going for, you know, $1,800, Jeez. Yeah. Which I hear the last one just traded hands to a, probably a permanent home so that puts all four uh in places that if you want it you are gonna have to pry it out of some cold dead hands yeah <laughs> it's a pretty fun little game too yeah well i've i've played that game many a time it's 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 <laughs> tricky we'll say all right let's talk about the homebrew calendar yeah that is like the xmas series has become sort of a regular yearly occurrence what is the homebrew calendar kevin Every year, I put the call out to all the NES devs, and I say, Hey guys, you want to be in a calendar? And usually it's met with crickets. But uh, every year, I put out a homebrew calendar. Every month uh, features a different game, and I have a little sort of write-up for each game underneath. And then throughout every month, I keep track of like you know when games have come out in the past. So it'll show Spookatron... January 2nd. Will it? Because I'm going to be pissed if it's not on there as January 2nd. I'm actually questioning whether I put that in there or not, so I'm a little worried, but we're going to find <sighs> out. You fool. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, they are here, uh, and they are available, uh, hopefully, by the time this episode comes out, if they're not sold out. Um, but if there's enough demand, I'll order more. Don't nope, worry. No, limited edition. 300, 300%. <laughs> Who's buying them? Uh, no. 
Um, but yeah, they uh, are available. Uh, they should be on my website, khangames.com, so just go there. Uh, I think I'm going to ship them in envelopes this year, so shipping should be a little less expensive. Please don't bend mine. I mean, I don't bend any of them. I, I can't be held responsible for what happens afterward, though. Filthy mailman. Go on. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, swing by my website uh, and pick one up. They're fun. I got some good games featured this year. And it's always fun, like, having it... I hang mine up at work, uh, so it's a little bit of uh, Nintendo love that I get to experience when I'm away from home. Yeah, and you've done a really good job of representing a diversity of developers. It's not just all old-timers, it's not just new-timers, it's sometimes recurring people. Like, I think Derek's had a couple games in the calendars over the years. And so it's sometimes that is actually how people announce what they're working on. So you just never know what's going to be in that calendar. If you might find a surprise or two from Soul Goose Productions or, you know, anybody else. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, I think we're both uh, we're both sort of announcing our games in this this upcoming calendar. Yeah, but you've already talked about yours. Mine's mine's secret times surprise well i was talked about years ago i'm just really late in releasing it but (laughs) (laughs) anyways hey remember uh in the last episode when uh we had that little contest i don't that was months ago oh well i'm kidding (laughs) we should announce a winner yeah oh are we doing that right now we're about to do that right now well what was the contest first uh, so I asked our dear listeners uh, if they would go to uh, Apple uh, iTunes and review the podcast, and um, if they did that and emailed me basically a copy of their review so I could confirm that they did it, they would be entered into a raffle to win one of my games for free. So I'm going to give away one copy of The Incident and one copy of uh, Scramble uh to um two lucky people and how do you have like one of those big drums with the wheel and you pull them out like powerball or how are you doing this <laughs> no uh they're basically i'm going to tally up how many people i got here i'm gonna number them and then i'm gonna go to a random number generating website place and click it and see what number it spits out like right now Right now on the air. Okay.
All right, so who are the winners of this year's, or the only, uh, <laughs> podcast review challenge? And you only picked people that gave positive five-star reviews, right? No, uh, even if they wrote crap reviews, they are entered, but luckily no one wrote crap reviews, so. Uh, <laughs> we gotta find those guys me. for next year. <laughs> All right, so we had eight gracious listeners uh, write in and copy over their reviews uh we appreciate all of you that did that and if uh some of you did it without emailing me uh sucks to be you because you're not in the contest so rough all right so rough that's how i like it all right so (laughs) i'm going to click the random number generator uh from one to eight to find out who the winner is the first winner anyway and that is drum roll ec my Oh, E.C. Myers. Wonderful. E.C. Myers. All right. So you won either the incident or scramble. I don't know if you already already own one of them, uh, but if you have a preference, uh, write in again and let me know. NESAssemblyLine at gmail.com. I will send you a copy. And now for the second winner, Tyler Wilkin. Ooh. Tyler Wilkin. Congratulations. Same goes for you. Uh, Pick one and shoot me an email and let me know which one you want and i will get it out to you hey seems like we need to talk about that tyler wilkin guy do we we do let's talk about him then he's trouble man you got to stay away from that bad seed no no he has started he goes by default gen online oh that guy yeah that guy you are so bad with names um terrible names but he has been a big homebrew supporter over the years and he has he's had a youtube channel where he did some other stuff i think but he has started a series of mini reviews so a lot of these things like this podcast have gone to multiple hours at this point and you're probably tired and bored and all that good stuff but Tyler <laughs> has done the service of quick, like two to ten minute reviews of games. And they're ones that he personally owns and has played and spent time with. And he's got some thoughts and opinions for better or worse. And, and they're not half ass reviews. Like he actually plays the games and learns the games and talks about the games in a knowledgeable way, which I appreciate. He also has some very good audiovisual editing skills, which uh, make them easy to watch. <laughs> and I'm not a big uh, YouTube watcher person thing, but uh, I, I watched I watched a few of them, and they were they were very well done and informative. And I saw one was like two minutes, and one was ten minutes, and Spookatron was like six minutes. So that was nice to, nice to see that somebody is just offering that accessibility and and this is what i mean where the community just keeps growing and people like tyler with his youtube reviews there's a dev cart magazine guy he's now publishing a little zine deal and like we're just reaching a larger audience through community involvement so projects like this awesome awesome stuff to see um did brad release the source code for lizard yeah, yeah, so that was a big event uh, recently that uh, if you played Lizard and loved it and you're curious how to go from Pong to Lizard, you can check out the source code from Lizard. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's the next logical step from Pong. <laughs> well, if you're if you're Brad it was, I think. Uh, seems like seems like he took that giant lizard leap. Um 
<laughs> but yeah, that's out there, which there aren't a lot of people don't often release their source code for others to learn from and study. So that was that was neat to see. And that was part of his Kickstarter goals to begin with a stretch goal or something. But um, I guess we'll see what comes from it. You know, if people learn from it, or if they can borrow routines or whatever, just even ROM hacking would be much easier if you wanted to hack up Lizard. That'd be fun. And serve it over a bed of rice. I don't know. <laughs> oh, serve it in your soup. Dang, that was the joke. Yep, there it goes. <laughs> uh, other community things. Uh, Nathan Talbert has resumed work on his Blastervania, which is, yes, like you're guessing right now, Blaster Master combined with Metroid is a Blastervania uh, where you're in a vehicle <laughs> and you're out of a vehicle and you're exploring this giant open world. Uh, but he has resumed work on that with um, the programming. Franken Graphics is doing the art, and every picture that he posts on Twitter is just more amazing than the last. I'm, I'm most ex- that might be the game I'm most excited about lately, in terms of games that are not done. I'm pretty excited about it too, man. Like it looks. I'm not a huge fan of the Metroidvania type exploration games. You shut your mouth. But yeah, I like that game looks pretty freaking sweet. Uh, so I'm excited to play it. I'm glad that he's working on it again. Yeah. And uh, as we spoke about earlier in the episode, uh, we are going to talk with Zelius now, uh, who's been doing Zelius, Zelius, Michael, I don't know, uh, Mike, who has been doing the live streaming videos of his own attempts to learn NES programming. We're going to talk to him? Yeah, we're going to talk to him right now. Sweet. Bring him on. Can you tell us kind of who you are, what you're up to, and sort of what you've been doing with this little stream of yours? Sure. Uh, thanks, Bo. So, um, yeah, I uh, my name is Mike Caramonte. I actually don't, I don't know why. I don't say my name on the stream. Um, Mysterious that way. I guess so. I, 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 it's kind of because I, I feel like I don't actually matter. I'm, I, it's more the content that matters. So, um, and the content is me on, uh, Mondays and Thursdays, mostly at nine Eastern, uh, just sitting and programming, just, uh, doing my best to try and, uh, hack together an NES game, uh, but live on, on Twitch for better or for worse. So you're a little bit newer to the NES homebrew community, but you have a much longer history uh, when it comes to game development itself. Can you tell us a little bit about your history and like the Game Boy Advance days? Sure. So um, I've always wanted to make games um, and uh, not surprisingly, the NES was kind of the the spark of that fire. Um, and so when I like you guys and I think everybody else was discovered, Hey, people actually make these things. Um, I got really interested in programming and back in the early two thousands, uh, with a buddy of mine, we, we had a company, we were working on, uh, building a game for the game boy advance because their homebrew scene was surprisingly well-developed. Um, during those days, the GBA was still, being sold in stores, uh, you could buy a new uh, Game Boy Advance and later Game Boy Advance SP. Um, but you could also simultaneously buy uh, uh, flash cartridges, which was to us kind of amazing. Um, so 
we wanted to make a, a game and uh, we worked pretty hard at making a game. We even went to E3, which was kind of a huge mistake financially. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but a good learning experience and, um, you know, and then uh, sort of transitioned over to working on some games on the XNA platform, which was Microsoft's uh attempt at getting indie developers to write games for the xbox 360 i think the draw no matter what we were doing was always trying to get our games onto an actual game console so mm-hmm. um when we that was why we why we picked the gba and and why we picked xna and um yeah so that uh it's, that's a long obviously a long history because you know we're we're about 18 years past that now you're an old timer. Jeez. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I was just screwing around at that age. You were trying to, you know, actually publish games. So, <laughs> um, But about a year ago, you started learning NES programming, and you've sort of been streaming your entire progress with that? Like, is there stuff that we haven't seen? Did you come to the table with, with like, a, you know, stuff in your bag already? Yeah, I didn't want to completely embarrass myself um, and start <laughs> streaming. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with some embarrassment because, um, you know, that's not that big a deal. But I didn't want to completely embarrass myself and start streaming. And I, I don't know that I was even, I, I don't think I had the idea to do it um, until I was further down the road. So kind of the great thing for me, at least, of being here and talking to you guys, uh, beyond just the fact that now I get to talk to you both together uh, instead of uh, separately like we did on the stream, uh, was that back when I first started looking at this, the reason was because I was on um, the Retro USB Facebook page and uh, Brian had posted a link to the NES assembly line. And he's like, you know, in his usual Brian fashion, said <laughs> something about, you know, you guys need to check this out. Super NES sucks, something like that. And <laughs> That's about <laughs> normal. Yeah. Oh, um, and I saw that and I was like, what's homebrew? And, um, and I listened to that episode and I think it was probably pretty early on, maybe, you know, like ep- your episode four or five, maybe. But regardless, I listened to that and then I, started listening to the episodes backwards back to the first one and was so fascinated by everything that you guys said that I was like, I need to check this out. So I, I uh, went over and checked out nerdy nights and kind of hacked together a little controller test program that I uploaded um, with some graphics that I had done in YYCHR. And uh, did you use source control? uh, (laughs) No, I didn't. (laughs) At least you used the right graphics program. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I wasn't ready for paint yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, one step at a time, gentlemen. Rim shot. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so I I uh, you know I posted that and and actually, Bo, you were the first person who responded uh, to the I was? post. Yeah, yeah. Oh. You 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 said something like, "Oh, that's so much nicer than uh, than the controller test program that I made," or something like that, and. And, I'm sure um, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and and I I uh, I'm sort of embarrassed to admit admit I was a little uh, starstruck um, because <laughs> starstruck. because well Whoa. yeah because Get out of here. no seriously because you guys uh, were the reason that I was even doing it and and um, it was hard to know. Like you get into some communities and there are the people that are sort of at the forefront of it, right? And and they're 
pretty inaccessible, um, whether that's because they have thousands of people sort of clamoring for their attention or they're just aloof or whatever the case may be. Um, it was really cool to see, uh, to see you post something right away. Um, or within, you know, a day of me posting it. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. This is the guy, you know, one of the guys from the podcast, right? So, um, well, if we're at the forefront, this community is headed to dark places. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, and then I, I, uh, was thinking about how I was going to make a game with this, uh, no- newfound knowledge. And I-, I will readily admit blatantly plagiarized, uh, the idea of uh, handmade hero, which is a similar concept basically uh casey muratori uh, is a professional game developer and he's working on a game uh while simultaneously streaming all the programming related to it as a oh. series of tutorials uh but for pc game programming um he has the experience and the knowledge to do that i i don't and i also don't have the resources or the time to work on anything of that scope um you know it seems like based on, I, I can't speak for him. I don't, I don't know him, but you know, based on his streaming schedule and, and, uh, his experience, it seems like he's got the time to be able to do that, that maybe he's working at a sort of different, um, sort of, uh, work schedule than I have, but you know, I have a regular <laughs> day job and, and, uh, I've got a family and I gotta, you know, be, be around. I can't just be sitting around streaming and coding all day. So, <laughs> Um, two nights a week is pretty impressive though. Uh, yeah, it was, it was one of those things where I had to, you know, explain to my wife why (laughs) I was, why I was doing that. And she was still kind of confused as to why it was something that I was doing online live, I think. But, you know, I think at the end I just kind of came clean and was like, well, really it's just accountability. It's, you know, knowing that there are going to be people who, you know, even if it's like five people, if they're going to be sitting there waiting for me to start the stream up or looking at YouTube the next day to see the recording, I'm going to have that little sort of guilt and obligation to continue doing this. You know, like you said, I mean, it's only two days, but it is a lot of time. I mean, some nights I, I'll stream from nine to midnight, you know, Jeez, uh, wow. yeah. um, I haven't done it too many times, but I, uh, it's just, you you want to get something done and you want to leave it in a state where you're not coming back and it's totally broken (laughs) and uh and it's it's hard to do sometimes especially when i was doing the attribute programming and man that was just that just kicked my ass attributes always do the best thing is when you code from nine to midnight and accomplish nothing (laughs) yeah right yeah and 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 there were a couple of streams like that where it was just like sorry, you know, we're, we're just going to have to leave it and come back to it and we'll we'll get it next time. And then once you turn off the stream, it comes to you. (laughs) There were definitely some, some moments like that, right? Like it was, um, I remember one morning I was showering and, Oh, I get the best ideas in the shower too. Yeah. Yeah. It was because you're just relaxed and kind of thinking about it. And and I I was, I was, I was sitting there and thinking about how I was implementing, um, essentially a modulo. And I was like, Oh, you idiot. You can use a bitwise and because you're using a power (laughs) of two. That's perfect. You know, it's like these little things that you, you don't normally think about with, uh, higher level and, and, uh, programming on, on more powerful computers. Uh, so break it down for us. Like, what can viewers expect to see on a standard evening of programming with Michael Kiermont? 
Um, I made Kevin say your last name there just so I could hear him butcher it. No, no, that was right. Oh, it's, dang. Uh, yeah, Boy, sorry. I, no, I've gotten. I was super worried about that. I'll be <laughs> honest. <laughs> no, you got it right. And believe me, it wouldn't have upset me in the least. I've heard so many people say that name so many ways. It's, um, I had the added fortune of you saying it right when you came on. So yeah. I was disappointed when he said that. God no. bless you. <laughs> um, Bo, he paid me to do that. Uh, <laughs> He's everybody. Everybody. <laughs> Hey, so uh, I don't I don't like looking like a fool, unlike Michael. <laughs> I your, can't take embarrassment. Who's your favorite homebrewer? Obviously, Kevin. Oh. Always, always, Kevin. Oh, always, well, you know, always. But that copy of uh, the incident has nothing to do with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did send you one, didn't I? You did. Um, <laughs> uh, but so in, a normal stream with me um, is uh, just it's really just me and and the code um for better or for worse and it's me trying to do do my best to explain it while i'm doing it i like to talk as you in case you haven't gathered from from just these last few minutes you have um, the voice for it so we'll take it <laughs> oh do. um so i i i do i do have sort of a natural gift for filling the uh the dead air um so I will, I will just kind of explain what I'm doing and why and, uh, freely admit when I think that what I'm doing is wrong or a mistake because, <laughs> um, you know, you don't want to come across as being an arrogant, uh, jerk and then have somebody, you know, basically uh, there are people who, who know more than me and I know that. So I don't want to come across as being this authority on how to do stuff, um, and be like, this is the best way and nobody, nobody else should be programming any other way. And if you do, you're an idiot because that's, I mean, that that's not a good way to teach people. And I've seen a uh, lot of that lately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, and, and also, you know, you don't want someone who actually knows better coming in and making you look like a fool because you think, you know, everything. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm okay with people coming in and asking me why I'm doing like it, very early on, there were, there was someone who was watching the stream and he commented on a couple of things that I was doing wrong. And, and I was like, Oh damn, you're right. And, you know, I mean, I, I acknowledged that he was right. And I mentioned it in the next stream. And I, I pinned a comment on the recording to let people know that I had made this mistake because it's at the end of the day, beyond me just making my game, uh, it's, it's a learning experience. And I want people to actually take something away from me sitting there for, you know, the duration of the stream, um, beyond just, you know, the, the soothing sound of my voice. <laughs> that honesty is helpful though. Like it, it lowers people's guard and they can actually, you know, connect with what you're saying and hopefully, uh, kind of dive in themselves if, if that's what they're after. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing. I mean, I think the, the, the fact that I'm not coming at this as someone who's released five homebrews already, 12 or something, in Kevin's case, right. You, you know, I'm, I'm coming at this fresh as someone who has programming experience, but isn't, um, an NES programmer. I think that that was, my thinking was that that was unique enough to differentiate me from just being a blatant handmade hero ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a good approach. It's a teachable approach. Um, but what type of game are you actually working on and sort of why did you choose 
whatever project this is. Sure. So I'm I'm working on a vertical scrolling shooter, um, a shmup, if you will. Although I, <laughs> oh, we I, will. I always feel dirty <laughs> saying it that way. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I at this point the design is still somewhat uh, loose or vague in my in my mind. Um, I was sort of more focused on getting the mechanics of the code working at this point and some of the tool stuff, because that's actually the easier part for me. Um, I mean, there is obviously challenge there, but if you have an idea of how the game is supposed to play generally, that's a, that's a finite challenge. Um, the actual game design part of it is much more difficult, at least in my mind. So, um, I'll admit here that I, I feel like sometimes <laughs> on stream, I, 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 f- I worry that I'm uh, adding changes to the um, development process to, to uh, postpone the actual design. <laughs> um, oh, we all do it. But yeah, but I also kind of have a good sense of at this point, the fact that, when you're focused on design, you want the tools to just kind of be out of the way. And, uh, and so while I, I certainly kind of asked you guys about the tools you use sort of in a teasing way, you know, uh, lightheartedly, um, there is, you guys actually have the added benefit of using very straightforward tools that Mm -hmm. don't do a lot. And so they get out of the way and let you work on the game, which, you know, to that end they're they're sort of brilliant for which we should mention um mike interviewed both kevin and i separately a while back on his stream he's been having people come on for that and that has that was sort of a fun neat very live experience um but that's (laughs) since you've referenced it a couple times if people want to check it out they can um but do you do any additional programming off screen or do you save all of it mistakes design everything for when you're actually right there in front of the camera so initially i was worried about the fact that i was working on the asset tool that i'm building that converts the pngs to uh chr data and the the map data to just raw data for the game engine on stream because that's being done in c c slash c plus plus but the reality of life sort of dictated that I had to do most of that on stream. And so um, lately the majority of the code has actually been in C rather than assembler uh, because the core assembler stuff is working pretty well, but I was just kind of unhappy with how I was taking the images and moving them over to the game and turning them into sprites and maps. Hmm. How do you decide what to do in C or C++ or assembly? Like, is it just like ease of what specific thing you're working on at that time? Well, I mean, for certain things, they they need to be done outside of the NES code. So, you know, um, that makes it easy because it's, you know, I'm not going to convert my PNGs in in 6502, right? So, I mean, I I guess I could, but I, I don't want to. For other things, it's been sort of a learning process. Like I had initially implemented sprites in the game by manually looking at the type of thing that was in the game on screen at the time or, the you know, in the state engine, essentially, um, and 
wrote some code to populate the sprites on screen hard-coded. And then I decided that I wanted that to be controlled by what was actually on the map and uh, and the graphics. So then I had a f- few streams where basically I ripped that whole thing apart and tried to make everything driven by the data instead of by assembly code. Hmm. Uh, so I wrote a bunch of C code to turn it into data that was then consumable by the assembly code. And so I wrote a bunch of six, uh, 6502 at that point to interpret the data. Um, but it was obviously way too slow for the way I was doing it. And I don't know if that was because of lack of experience or, uh, just cause it wouldn't have worked. Um, so, so now we're sort of in a, uh, happy medium of the logic to process the data is done in C, but then for the sprite drawing, it actually generates the assembly code. Wow. Yeah. And, and I don't recommend generating code in general. Um, it's probably, I know, I know there are some tools that do it. Um, but, uh, it's generally a very problematic way, um, to, to work on your game. So it's, it's only this one specific area that I did it because I needed it to be extremely fast and not something that was going to potentially, mess with the game too much yeah especially for a vertical shooter like you 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 don't want much slowdown yeah and i'm trying not to get too far into the details here but you know just (laughs) it's uh it's it, it it's a balancing act is what it really comes down to and sometimes you won't know until you try it um and that's where you're you know i've said the source code is helpful because i can just dump that whole change out and go back to the way it was before I ripped it all apart, which was, which was uh, a relief. Can you think of any memorable mishaps or epiphanies that happen midstream? Let me think about this. I, I think I was trying to do a Sprite zero hit in, to create a status bar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and of all people, Memblers showed up on stream. <laughs> He's the one. And, so, you know, we talked about being starstruck after listening to <laughs> yeah. you guys uh, on the podcast a bunch uh, talk about uh, Memblers. I I was surprised to see him there and he was, you know, just kind of hanging out and he was offering some suggestions of things that we were doing already in the code. And and I was trying to I was trying to talk it through with him on the stream, which was kind of awesome. Um, but then I, I had a moment of kind of, I don't know, it was giddiness is not the right word, but it was kind of hilarious because, you know, we went through some steps that he suggested and, and things that I verified I was doing already. And he kind of just virtually shrugged and was like, yeah, I don't know. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I didn't feel so bad at that point because, you know, if Memblers is going, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a strange problem. Um, then I know it's like, it's not just me being dumb. No, well, that's that honesty. Like good teachers have <laughs> that level of honesty to say, I have no clue what's going on here. Yeah, exactly. So it was, it took a while to get past that. And I think it just turned out to be, something I forgot to set or change in, in, you know, in the, in the code initially when I was, when I was starting up and, and once I understood it, it was, it was fine. And then I ended up changing that to using MMC three, uh, which is probably going away too, but (laughs) fancy, fancy man. Well, 
I don't need a, the status bar anymore. I don't think so. It was just something it was, I think just more cool to do than, than, uh, something that I really needed. And so it's going to, it'll go back and we'll switch to something a little simpler. I've ruined many a good project with uh, fancy tricks. So <laughs> get that. Do you have an end goal for this stream? Like, are you going to finish this shmup of yours? Or is this more of just like a working example to be able to teach some things and learn some things? Or what sort of do you have in mind? So there there are a couple of things. Um, one, yeah, I, I do want to finish the game uh, on stream. Like, it would be really satisfying to at least get to a point where I'm like, yep, here's the beta for for testers to try out. And this will be the last stream of this particular game. Um, and then whether I do any other games in the future, we'll, we'll see how far, how many streams we get into it. Cause I'm at 72 as of yesterday. <laughs> That's like how many hundreds of hours? Uh, I mean, they're all probably about two hours each. So uh-huh. it's, yeah. it's at least, you know, 140, 150 hours. Wow. And, uh, not all of them are programming. Uh, they're the few that are the, uh, the interviews with, uh, well, there's what there's four, there's you, Kevin, there's Yubo, there's, uh, Derek and, uh, and Nathan Tolbert. Um, so, uh, so there's those four and I, I plan on doing more just to kind of break up people staring at me, staring at code. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, I want to get that done. And then the secondary goal, and I've started this, uh, already with a couple of, uh, recording sort of more traditional YouTube recordings. Um, I, I started a secondary series called the zero pages, um, in reference to the zero pages on the NES. Nice obviously. name. Thank you. And, um, the, the idea is like the zero pages, they're quick. So, you know, less than 10 minutes, it covers a topic on NES programming. So the first one was how do I get CC65 downloaded and installed so I can build code? <clears throat> the second one was uh, what are number systems? So why, what is binary and what is hex and, and why do they matter? The next one that I'm sort of working on and, and had to put a, put on hold because of life. And then also I had a cold recently, so I couldn't do the voiceover stuff. I was all congested, um, is on assembly language programming, like what it is and that it's not so scary. So, uh, I'm hoping to do, uh, you know, a set of however many it takes, uh, you know, less than 10 minute videos on topics related to NES programming so that, uh, people don't have to go through all of my streams for, like they can if they want to see the progression, but uh, if they just want something about a particular topic, it's just right there at sort of their fingertips. You going to touch on the different flavors like 6502 and Z80 and that kind of stuff? Um, I think I'm probably going to stick with 6502 for now. If if there's enough requests for it, I'll I'll talk about other assemblers. Um, I mean, conceptually, they're all essentially the same. That's, uh, yeah, I think I'll stick with 6502 for now. <laughs> Jeez, Kevin, ask for the moon. Sorry. I mean, if you drum up enough support, Kevin, Z80 could be yours too. <laughs> Kevin will pay <laughs> you $50 an episode <laughs> for Z80 tutorials. 
<laughs> Only if you say good things about me the whole time. <laughs> Kevin's my favorite Z80 programmer. <laughs> Where are you currently at with this project? And like, what comes what comes next? Like, what game do you have in mind after this? Um. So I'm I'm I think I'm at the point where, like I said, I need to do more design work than programming work. Um, and that'll tie into obviously more programming. Um, so I'd say it's still probably at like the, it's like 60% engine done, but probably only 15% game design done Mm -hmm. after this. The perhaps delusional goal was when we, when we first started working on a game boy advance game, we were working on, um, an RPG. Ooh. Oh boy. And, um, and now as Bo's you can start paying you. Yeah. <laughs> JRPG. SRPG. Uh, yes. Okay. No, no, no. JRPG. All right, all right. Um, along the lines of, uh, you know, like a final fantasy three, maybe not to that same kind of scale and, uh, certainly not to that level of polish. <sighs> um, but I, I think I, I think I've shared that, that tech demo ROM, um, on discord, but, uh, basically the idea would be to go back and revisit because we have a lot of material about the, the universe that that game exists in, um, and several different storylines. And it would be cool to go back and actually build, uh, that RPG for the NES, um, kind of thinking along the lines of, you know, living out the dreams of my childhood of, you know, releasing a game for the NES and then the super Nintendo, and then maybe the game boy advance for real this time. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it, we, I, I, I don't want to say that that's definitely the plan because who knows what's going to happen in the next year. Well, now I know which way to ways to prod you uh, when we talk. <laughs> hey, did you finish that RPG yet? <laughs> I'm excited to come with you on this journey. So where can people find your videos if they want to check them out? Uh, either the zero pages or your main Twitch streams. So the, the, you can watch me on Twitch at Clairvus, uh, C L E A R V U S. And that's Mondays and Thursdays at nine Eastern. Uh, again, most of the time I'm on Twitter at Clairvus too. And usually I'll, I'll announce, uh, on Monday and Thursday, like if I'm going to be doing the stream that day, um, I'm on YouTube at, uh, as Michael Caramonte and all the videos are posted there. I try to get them posted immediately after the stream is done. Um, again, mostly because otherwise I get busy and it'll take a day or two. Um, so if you miss the stream, generally the next morning, the recording is up on YouTube and ready to be watched. Um, which is kind of interesting because I'll get people. I'll wake up and there will be 16 views in the morning, um, which just kind of uh, blows my mind that people are paying att- that much attention to what I'm doing. It's, it's awesome. It's, yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty cool. It's it's a uh, it feels good. It ma- it makes me want to keep going. Well, good. Uh, do you have you gotten a lot of feedback from people that watch them, or uh, is it just sort of you see the view counter and that kind of gives you a little bit of motivation, or? I've gotten it it depends um I I've gotten the most feedback on the first video that I did which was just an overall explanation of the NES's uh, hardware architecture. Ooh. And that's gotten I want to say over 7000 views at this oh, point. Oh, crap. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I can't believe that because, you know, here I am thinking that this is old news and, you know, people can find this information anywhere, but, you know, I, I still see the, the view counts going up on that one. And, and, uh, you know, just every now and again, you'll get someone posting, you know, thanks for, thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. Um, I got one guy who, who, uh, wrote, uh, rest in peace, my, my speakers, because the, the audio, uh, was terrible in the beginning. And so, um, <laughs> I did end up re re releasing that video, sort of a HD remaster, if you will. Um, it's just, <laughs> just the audio volumes are, are much more, uh, tolerable. And, uh, and then you get people on the zero pages, uh, which again, seems like the beginning stuff is the most popular like uh just getting cc65 installed i've gotten a lot of people thanking me for that that they they couldn't figure it out and hmm. they appreciated the help which is cool i mean you know the uh, that's that's the whole point of what i'm doing and why i'm posting it if i just wanted to just make a game i could have done that and it would be a lot less stressful i think <laughs> than <laughs> than putting myself you know on stream every night and hoping that nobody shows up to troll me I'm really grateful and I think it's super cool that you are doing these videos because over the past, you know, decade or whatever, like I, I've wanted to do something like that because people like a lot of people say that they would, you know, have more success learning if they could actually see the process, you know, like see mm -hmm. you go through it. So um, having you actually do this, I think, is helping a lot of people. Um, so I hope that you continue, uh, doing it and I hope that you, uh, find, uh, more and more viewers because, uh, you're definitely doing the community a, a great favor. Well, thanks. Uh, you know, the, the thing for me, I, I definitely stalled getting started. I, I, I think I was probably ready to start back in September of last year, but I kept making excuses about <laughs> why I wasn't ready to start. <laughs> Um, you know, dumb things like I, I didn't know which computer I was going to use and I wasn't sure if I was going to use the Mac or the PC and all this other stuff. And, um, I just kind of, you know, like the day of, I was like, this is, this is dumb. Just do it because, and a lot of people say this and, and you don't kind of realize it when you're, until you're starting something new, um, especially as you get older, I think there's definitely that sort of resistance to starting something new and putting yourself out there to do it. Um, you're never going to feel ready when you yeah. feel ready. You've already kind of accomplished something and you've, you've achieved some level of expertise. And so doing something new, you, you just have to do it. And, and I was, I, I at least felt confident enough in, in my, uh, professional skills as a programmer to, to be willing to put myself out there to defend, you know, anybody who called me out when it came to that. Um, and then when it came to NES, I, I mean, I, like I said, I'm the first person to be like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and again, it's, I'm, it's hyperbole, but it's to some extent true. I, I, I am learning and I, and I, and I think through through that process, I mean, uh, the Mythbusters put it best when they talk about collective ignorance, when they would do their experiments and and uh, they had no idea what was going to happen. Right. And 
uh, you know, the, those two guys had how many years of experience in building things and doing special effects. And they, they were perfectly comfortable saying, Hey, we have no idea what's going to happen right now, but we're going to learn together and it's going to be fun. And, and that was kind of, that was what just spurred me on that day to be like, all right, I'm going to do it. Yeah, that's how you have yeah, to it was do the it. same. Uh, it was the same with this podcast. Bo and I talked about starting this forever ago and it just never sort of happened. And then one day we just said, you know, we need to do this or, you know, we're never going to do it. Well, so. Kevin mm-hmm. said we need to do this. And I was like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> there's always one reluctant party when it comes to these things. I think that's like if it's, a, if it's a duo. Well, we, uh, I was a little worried about having Yana, you know, I didn't want to take a uh, disregard Egon's advice to not cross the streams, but this is, <laughs> this isn't technically a stream. So we're safe, I think. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you did invite me. Cause, uh, like I said, it's, uh, the only reason I'm here talking to you guys is because of you guys, <laughs> which is ridiculous, but that's, that's really bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. You've been great over this last year, getting to know and, uh, seeing what you're up to and, and all of that. So keep at it. And yeah, I'm excited to see what you do. Yeah. I'm looking forward to how this game goes too. We'll see. <laughs> awesome. I'm really glad that we got to talk to him because his, uh, his tutorial videos are very informative and he's a nice guy. Who knew? Yeah, I I don't know. This is, again, another example of people getting involved, doing whatever they can, and becoming an integral part of the community before they know it. So, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Very exciting. Well, we do appreciate everyone who tuned in with us today. Um, if you have any questions that are not about the secret of mana, feel free to write them in to nesassemblyline at gmail.com. Uh, we'll answer them on a future episode. Of course, we do have the Patreon, so if you want to, if you like what we do and you want to support us, um, you can go to patreon.com slash nesassemblyline, um, donate what you want, no big deal if you don't want to, we enjoy doing this for all of you, um, but it does help pay for the costs of hosting um, our audio files and things like that, so thanks to everyone who has donated to that in the past. For more information on me, you can find me at Twitter at uh, Ton of Glaciers, and Bo can be found at Soul Goose. What else? Am I forgetting anything? Uh, no contests, no... Oh, you're paying people for levels for Incident 2 still, right? Nope. Oh, I, t- I tease, <laughs> I tease. Yeah, but that's still going on, so if you want to build some levels for the Incident 2, um, that uh, ROM is floating around, uh, and if you need help finding it, let me know. I will direct you to it. Um, but, uh, we should close the song out with a Christmas song. What do you say? Oh, only if we do an oldie, but a goodie. How about that? Let's do, uh, one of the songs that I did back for one of the early Christmas games. Uh, let's end it with the traditional, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Sounds good to me. Uh, happy holidays. <laughs> happy holidays, guys. Thanks. Thanks.